You're listening to the RBN Energy Blogcast. This is an audio version of RBN Energy's daily blog, the oil and gas industry's go-to source for insight. Every day, we cover commodity fundamentals, industry changes, and developing trends across energy markets. And now, we're making it easier than ever to enjoy our blogs. Whether it's on your drive into work, while you're at the office, or at home walking the dog, settle in, turn the volume up, and enjoy. Wednesday, February 24, 2021. Flip the switch. Natural gas price spike curtails ammonia plants, linking hydrogen and gas markets. Published by Jason Ferguson. In many ways, the natural gas shortages and price spikes that came with last week's deep freeze had nothing at all to do with hydrogen. There were no green hydrogen plants that froze up in the cold, no withdrawals of stored hydrogen into distributed local fuel cells backing the power grid, no shortages of fuel for hydrogen vehicles. None of that occurred because hardly any of that infrastructure exists just yet. But that doesn't mean there was no link between last week's natural gas market and existing forms of hydrogen production, namely gray hydrogen used to produce ammonia, most of which is used in the manufacture of fertilizers, and which makes up about a quarter of the hydrogen market. In fact, there was a strong connection, one that highlights the flexibility of industrial natural gas used during price spikes and possibly exposes a vulnerability in gray hydrogen production. Today, we continue our series on hydrogen with a look at how the ammonia industry responded to the recent spike in natural gas prices. While many in Texas and neighboring states are still chasing down water leaks and scheduling time with their general contractors, natural gas prices have receded to levels seen before winter storm Uri hit last week. If you're not sure what we're talking about, then a review of our recent blogs will bring you up to date. We initially wrote about how natural gas prices across Texas and other areas west of the Mississippi River spiked into triple digits early last week in east is east, west is west. As you know, that wasn't the end of the story for the energy market madness created by URI as the chaos spread into power markets by the middle of last week, which we first detailed in terminal frost. We then followed that blog up with a closer look at the Texas power grid in perfect storm. Now that the dust has settled, we thought it would be a good time to look at some of the natural gas market responses to the high prices. It's also time for our every other week hydrogen blog, and as luck would have it, we might have found a way to accomplish both in the same space. As you'll see, one of the largest natural gas-consuming industries uses it to make hydrogen, which goes into the manufacture of ammonia. When natural gas prices spiked last week, many of those ammonia plants ramped down their operations or shut down entirely. How do we know? Though prices alone would suggest this was the case, pipeline flow data confirms it. We'll take a look at that data later, but first let's look at hydrogen and the ammonia industry. A few weeks ago, we discussed the primary pathway to make hydrogen in the U.S. and most of the world, a process known as steam methane reforming, or SMR. See our Help Part 2 blog for more information, but simply put, natural gas is used to produce what is known as gray hydrogen from methane. The gray label is because the process emits carbon, but we aren't focusing on emissions today. Rather, we are interested in the linkage between natural gas prices and a cost to produce gray hydrogen as well as ammonia synthesized from H2. First, let's look at a typical ammonia process flow diagram, which we mapped out in Figure 1 in our blog on the website today. The process is fairly simple, and looks a lot like SMR. In fact, we frame the process units used in SMR. Ammonia units take things a step further. The main ingredient is natural gas, from which hydrogen is created by reacting it with steam using a catalyst. Once hydrogen leaves the SMR section, it reacts with nitrogen using the Haber-Bosch process to produce ammonia, again, mostly for use as fertilizer. 
for a detailed look at the process, check our 2012 blog called Fertile Prospects, where we first covered the ammonia market. If you remember, in HAL Part 2 we estimated that $3 per million BTU natural gas equates to hydrogen and about 50 cents per kg. Ammonia is usually priced in tons, so 50 cents per kg hydrogen would add about $85 per ton to the price. The conversion here is made with the knowledge that hydrogen accounts for about 17.5% of the weight in a ton of ammonia. We assumed an SMR efficiency of about 72%, and it's likely the total ammonia production process including the Haber-Bosch part only operates at around 50% efficiency. Thus, there are additional energy costs beyond the SMR process and before other variable operating costs and transport are considered. We don't know how much of the cost is in each of those three buckets, but given that ammonia costs dropped below $200 per ton last year during pandemic-related lockdowns, it seems reasonable to assume that our variable cost for natural gas to produce hydrogen via SMR for ammonia is at least in the ballpark. Feel free to send us feedback if we are way off base. All this means that the price of natural gas is key to the economics of producing gray hydrogen for use in the ammonia industry. So, what happened when natural gas prices skyrocketed last week? Well, at a minimum, it made for some very expensive hydrogen. Consider that natural gas prices in the mid-continent region of the U.S. were over $200 per million BTU in many places, which suggests that the variable contribution of natural gas to the cost of ammonia may have shot to over $5,500 per ton. What happens in such a situation? Naturally, you shut down the ammonia plant if possible, a reality that is borne out by data from the electronic bulletin boards of the interstate natural gas pipelines feeding various ammonia plants in the U.S. You might want to take a look at figure 2 in our blog today which shows the flow of natural gas to three ammonia plants. One is the Iowa Fertilizer Company, or IFC, plant in Weaver, Iowa, a facility that sources its gas from the ANR pipeline, where natural gas prices topped $200 per million BTU on the gas day of February 16th, according to data from our good friends at Natural Gas Intelligence, or NGI. Natural gas flows to IFC were near 90 million cubic feet per day at the start of February, but fell dramatically last week. By February 16th there was almost no flow to the plant. A similar situation played out at another Iowa ammonia plant, Coke Industries Fort Dodge facility, which was taking about 40 million cubic feet per day of natural gas at its interconnect with Northern Natural Gas, or NNG, in the days leading up to URI. However, by the time prices in NNG's DeMarc pool reached almost $230 per million BTU on February 16th, Fort Dodge had reduced its take from NNG to just 7 million cubic feet per day. However, it wasn't just the mid-continent region that saw ammonia plants curtail their consumption of natural gas. In Yazoo City, Mississippi, operation of the CF Industries ammonia plant on the Texas Eastern Transmission, or TETCO, pipeline was also curtailed. While prices on TETCO didn't reach the levels seen on ANR and NNG, they crossed $15 per million BTU on February 17th and that appeared to be enough to shut down the Yazoo City plant. TETCO flows to the plant were running at almost 40 million cubic feet per day before the polar vortex moved south toward the Gulf of Mexico, but fell to zero during the days of the highest natural gas prices. The reduction in gas flows to the three plants was short-lived and at least two of them are once again taking natural gas to create gray hydrogen in their SMR units. Just as Permian natural gas production rebounded once the worst had passed, the ammonia plants are also now returning to business as usual. That said, it was probably not all bad news for the ammonia plants if they had already bought their natural gas needs for the month. Assuming they did so, many industrial facilities prefer to buy gas for the entire month at a single fixed price set near the beginning of the period versus buying at the floating daily price, ammonia plants would have been able to resell their natural gas supplies into the market for a tidy profit. 
better yet, from a good karma perspective, their sales released much-needed natural gas to a strained market when it was needed most. All this served as an interesting case study in natural gas market dynamics, which we expect will play a key role in hydrogen production in the near term and further into the future. Flip the Switch was written by Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, and it appears as the first song on the Rolling Stones' 23rd American studio album, Bridges to Babylon. Personnel on the record were, Mick Jagger, on lead vocal, guitar, and keyboards, Keith Richards, on guitar and backing vocals, Ronnie Wood, on guitar, slide guitar, and backing vocals, Charlie Watts, on drums and percussion, and Daryl Jones, on bass. Bridges to Babylon was recorded between March and July 1997 at Ocean Way Recording in Los Angeles. Produced by Don was the Glimmer Twins, Rob Fraboni, Annie Saber, Pierre de Beauport, and the Dust Brothers. The album was released in September 1997. It went to number two on the Billboard Top 200 Albums Chart and has been certified platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America. Three singles were released from the album. The Rolling Stones are an English rock band formed in London in 1962. Eight members have passed through the group since its inception. The band still includes founding members Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, and Charlie Watts. Original guitarist Brian Jones died in 1969. Mick Taylor replaced Jones until 1974, when Ronnie Wood replaced him. Bassist Bill Wyman retired from the group in 1993, and Daryl Jones has been the Stones' touring bassist since that time. The Rolling Stones have released 30 studio albums, 33 live albums, 29 compilation albums, 3 EPs, and 121 singles. They have sold more than 240 million records worldwide. They have won one Billboard Music Award, 11 Grammy Awards, three MTV Video Music Awards, and two World Music Awards. They were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1989 and the UK Music Hall of Fame in 2004. Mick Jagger was knighted for his services to popular music in 2003. The Rolling Stones continue to record and tour. This has been the RBN Energy Blogcast. Thanks for listening.